He's tougher than you. Yes, sir. <laughs> I cried. Yeah, yeah, well, tell her to quit kicking you with both legs, you know. She wouldn't have to have one in each one. But, um, well, if you're watching online, thank you for tuning in with us tonight. And uh, hopefully the video and the audio sounds good to you. If it doesn't, put a little note in the, in the bottom and we'll try to fix it. Sometimes things happen and we don't, you know. It, do the best we can. Appreciate our tech guys. Um, all right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 tonight. We're uh, continuing Life of Messiah. Uh, we have been looking at the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, and he's now uh, into the past the early stages of his ministry, and he's still assembling his team, if you will. And last time we were together in Life of Messiah, we looked at uh, Matthew's call to uh, either salvation or full-time ministry or both. Uh, we had quite a discussion on that. Uh, tonight, I, I don't think this should be as long, but a pastor should never say that. But then, you know, last, the last time we were there, I didn't think y'all would say that much. And then sometimes it surprises me what sets everyone off, to, which is good. I like it, but, um, you know, the, a couple weeks ago we were longer. It was because you guys talked a lot, wasn't you know? How's that? If I turn it in on you guys, it's all your fault. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not buying it. So, um, no, they're not, they're not buying it. So, well, we'll do the best we can. At any rate, the call of Matthew, uh, we, we found that in Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus comes uh, and goes by and there's Matthew and he calls him. And uh, the next thing that we find in verse number 10 that we looked at last time was that we find that Matthew has a big meal at his house and he calls publicans and sinners and we discussed what a publican was, a tax collector and a specific kind that, that Matthew was very much disliked and that uh, sinners in verse number 10 where many publican sinners came and sat down with him and the disciples that the, the idea of sinners in this context is the, basically the meaning of prostitutes. And matter of fact, I think last time I think I entitled the, the Bible study inviting prostitutes to dinner. I'm sure it got a lot more clicks with that title. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't bait and switch. It's what we talked about. And, you know, I'm not advising necessarily for you to, you know, literally do that. Although, you know, we got to reach people and might be surprised today with OnlyFans. Who knows? Um, that, that's another one. Eh? Whoever thought we'd get to the point where this is where our culture would be? I mean, again, I just... It just, I don't think I thought this, but here we are. Nonetheless, tonight we're, I, I changed the title a little bit. I called it a dinner disaster because we're going to find out uh, from the Pharisee standpoint, this whole thing is a big disaster. They don't understand it. So uh, in, just in way of review, uh, verse number 10 says, It came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many public sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now let's pick things up tonight in verse number 11. The Bible says, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? So the Pharisees, first I noticed they saw it. Now, I don't know where Matthew lived. We discussed how Matthew was a publican, was probably a pretty wealthy guy. Um, so he probably lived, and he also probably lived in an area that was probably a more Roman influence or the Herodians, you know, the ones who were siding more with Rome. Uh, he probably didn't live in the middle of the Orthodox Jewish community. That, that'd be my guess because he wasn't very well liked. Um, and so I thought to myself when the, the Bible says the Pharisees saw it, I thought, how did they see it? Pretty interesting question, isn't it? 
I mean, the only conclusion if, if with that logic, and again, I'm just thinking a little bit here, is, you know, they were pretty intent on finding and keeping a pretty good eye on Jesus and his disciples. Because I don't know otherwise why they'd be there. And I don't know if they were peeping in through the window. I don't know. I don't know if they were seeing, watching the people coming in and out of the door. I don't know how they, how they figured out what, 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 who the crowd was there. But, um, and then they flat out come in and approach. I don't know again, if they're talking through the window. I don't know if they come in the room. It's fascinating to me. Uh, maybe the context is eating outside in the area, outside of Matthew's house. I don't know. But um, the bottom line is it says they came and they, they, they say to his disciples, now, does that strike you strange a little bit? Anybody notice it says they, they, they go to the disciples. Anybody, kind of, any thoughts on that, why they did that? Stalkers. Pardon me? Stalkers. Stalkers, okay. All right. But why do you think they picked that? Why? I, they, they go to the disciples. Doesn't it make sense that if there's a party and it's being hosted either A, at Matthew's house, and these Pharisees obviously knew that all these guys were disciples of Jesus. Why don't they go to Jesus? Don't you think that if, 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 if he's the boss and calling all the shots and you don't like something that's going on, but that's not who they go to, do they? Uh, you think they're afraid? All uh, right, that's a good, anybody else think, yeah, Jerry? All right, they thought, the, the, is that what you were going to say, dude, that the, the disciples would be an easier target. I, I, I think both of them are probably true. They probably already had a little bit of a healthy fear. Yeah, Ryan? All right, maybe, maybe they were trying to get the disciples to come back to their side. Sarah? Well, they're past, the, they, best we can tell in the timeline, they've probably already decided that the movement's significant, so they've moved into that second stage where they're allowed to ask questions. So they're now doing it, um, that is for sure. But they go to the disciples, and that, that's what I found interesting. Um, I would say this, and I know in our church we're blessed or cursed, however you want to look at it. Uh, we have a lot of pastor's kids in our ministry and um, they grew up in church and many of you have been in church a long time and I, I thought to myself you know a lot of times we're, we're always told you know don't be a Pharisee you don't do this you know and yet sometimes one of the most pharisaical things that people do is when they have an issue with something that's going on and they clearly understand who the leader is they don't go to the leader they go to the disciples for all of the reasons that y'all just mentioned maybe they're too you know, they're too scaredy cat to go talk to the leader. I think many times it's because they, they feel like, as Jerry mentioned, that other people are easy to get to, or at least they try to get them to their side, like Ryan was saying, you know, get them back over, you know, to my side, or um, to cause division. But, you know, as, as somebody who willingly takes the leadership mantle, take it and it comes with certain responsibilities it comes with certain just you know if you can't stand it you know don't don't do it you know if you want to be in leadership it's part of that comes with leadership but one of the things that oftentimes frustrates me is not that people go 
and play the Pharisee and don't like what's happening and say, why is the, you know, um, why is the church doing a ministry like that? You know, we, we, we shouldn't do that, whatever, you know. And, and they'll, they'll go to other people, I think, that they think they're going to get a hearing ear with and maybe, you know, form a committee to begin, you know, the division. I don't even know if sometimes people understand they're being used by Satan that creates that end. But it, 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 it just disappoints me even more in leadership when, when someone does that how easily we listen. You know, how easily, and maybe we, the Bible doesn't tell us here, that the disciples don't go, you know, you really, you guys are, th- you know, that's a good point, Mr. Pharisee. I don't know why, 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 we don't like Matthew. We don't think, maybe, probably didn't like Matthew. You know, we said that he probably was one that was bringing taxes against Peter, James, and John's business, you know. Um, who knows? Yeah, Jerry? Yes. Yes, well, I, Jerry said that's exactly how some people approach splitting a church. And some people, I'm sad to say, and I grew up in church, and I'm thankful for it. Um, but I, since the time I was five, I've been faithfully in church. And there are some folks that I think they flat out enjoy it. I don't, I, there's some folks, I don't know if they realize that they're being used by Satan to a destructive end. You know, sometimes I think they really believe their own lie. You know, that well, I'm just trying to make sure that we're not hanging around those sinners and publicans, you know. I mean, what kind of church is this, you know? Um, I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work here, uh, you know. But if, if you have a major issue with stuff that's going on and you don't have the, the guts or the thing to go to the person that's in leadership there, then I think that's an indicator that at the very least I'd say you're being like a Pharisee. You know, they, they, this is what they do. But it, it, that, that's an interesting. Now, understand, in the context of Pharisaism, they, they were very strict in staying clean. They, they followed both the Old Testament guidelines plus a whole bunch of more that they had invented themselves. And they had come to the point, they thought that even, that even eating with a publican or sinner would make them unclean. That they would have to go through a series of purifications just because they, they ate at a meal with one of these people. That's how far they took it. It's kind of like how an Auburn fan feels about eating dinner with someone that's an Alabama fan. Same kind of deal, you know. Um, um, so I, I got to stir that pot just a little bit. Um, so, you know, and, and the clear suggestion that they're making here is if Jesus were really the Messiah, he would not be eating with sinners, it's something the Messiah would never, ever, ever, ever do, according to their mindset of how they understood the Messiah. He would not do anything that could possibly make him unclean. And that is the suggestion that they're giving here. Well, notice in verse number 12, the Bible says, But when Jesus heard it, he, saith, or he said unto them. I, I love it that Jesus is a very alert leader. And um, I'm sure he understood their, their tactics. And when he heard what was going on, he goes to them. They didn't come to him, but he goes to them. And um, I, it is my desire, I say this all the time, to be a happy church. I want this to be a happy church. Um, and I've been told on occasion that we are, and I believe we are. But part of that is because if I hear it, <laughs> that's, you're, 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 I'm going to visit. You know, we're going to have a chat. Uh, and I love how that Jesus, when he heard this, he doesn't say, well, you know, they're just entitled to their opinion. They are, but they're not entitled to create division and try and take Jesus' disciples away from the path, the right path that they run. They don't have the right for that. 
And, um, and again, it, it is amazing to me how oftentimes, the, it, it, how short of a time it takes. It's like everything in life. When you want to do something good, like, you know, if you ever decide that you want to w- lose weight, you know, let's say you're on a weight loss thing, and it takes you months to lose weight, right? You work at it, and you discipline yourself. But, you know, when you decide you're done trying real hard, how long does it take to put it back on? I wish it was some, you know, equal, but it's not. And, and it's the same way, it, you know, you, you can build a long time to have something that is right. And Satan is a master of undoing it. And Jesus steps in and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, let, let's, let's have a discussion about this, shall we, fellas? And, um, and so he, he, then he begins to answer them. And he, he basically gives them three things, three reasons of why he's doing this. Now, I found it interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, does he owe these Pharisees any explanation? Now, my first thought to me is why? Why give it to them? You know, anybody have any thoughts on that? Why do you think Jesus would even, you know, bother answering this group? Yeah, Ryan? All right, certainly just, just to publicly address it to, to say we're not having this, to stop the division. Anybody else? What do you think he might answer? All right, I think, I think it's good for his life. That's why, you know, um, <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Uh, matter of fact, one of the few times it happens, one of the times several years ago, I was away on a, uh, I was away on a pastoral retreat, and I was in the cabin in, a, in the woods somewhere, and we had a, a little old lady who was, you talk about a Pharisee of a Pharisee, that, that she was, and um, she decided that she was going to come, and she'd been so in division, and she'd been pretty much nicely said, you know, we understand you don't like this, that, and the other, you know, find, you know go find another church, and then the week I'm gone, I think she must have let, we were both gone, and uh, she showed up, and, and um Jenny nicely said, you know, what are you doing here? And she said, well, you can't make me leave. That was not the right thing to say. You know, I am married to an alpha woman, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, Jenny was twice as big as her, you know. Not, that, I mean, this is a little person. All right? I, that, I get, that, that could be interpreted in the wrong way. I'm in trouble there. I'm just saying my wife is incredibly fit. You know, Denise Austin has got nothing on her. She could have taken this little old lady up over her shoulder and thrown her out the front door, and we threatened to do that to her. Um, but but uh, as I hear the story, she was, she was removed. Um, and um, so, yes, I think sometimes it's good for other people to know. You know, I, I think sometimes people think that there's, you know, that there's things not worth fighting over or standing up for. You know, there is. Now, I don't want to be a contrarian all the time. I think you really got to pick your spots, and that has been really rare. But standing up for truth, even like in your office place or whatever, sometimes we're not aware of the other people around, or maybe we should be and say, hey, this is, you know, good for them to hear. Jesus doesn't lose control here. He's not, you know, calling them names necessarily. (laughs) He doesn't. Uh, He's not doing that, but he does does deal with it. And um, so I also thought, anybody else for reasons why he thought he answered? I had one other thought that I had. Yeah, Andrew? Yes. So we used to hit those All right. Sometimes you got to hit things head on. There's just, just no easy way around it. And um, 
You know, I, I even, you know, if I bring a little marriage in here, you know, sometimes I, I tell young married couples and older married couples, you know, you've got to learn in marriage, if you want to have a successful one, how to have a healthy disagreement. Healthy disagreement. In other words, when men should really listen to what their wives have to say. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm being, I'm laughing, but I'm, I'm serious. Some couples don't know how to fight and it always ends up being, you know, but some issues, then there's other relationships that there's big problems in there, but because for a lot of reasons, we don't want to be honest about and deal with it. And some issues, as Andrew said, you, you just, they just got to be dealt with. But anybody else? Can, yeah, Drew? What a teacher. He's going, Drew's doing a review. Um, <laughs> I had a teacher and he's doing review. Okay, Drew, there's not going to be a test on this. I, cut to the chase. I don't care. And I can say, well, somebody's already said that, Drew. Weren't you listening? Uh, <laughs> sorry, Drew. Okay. Okay. That that was my last point. That now you said it much more eloquently and a little more broad based. But I was basically going to say maybe there was somebody there that would listen. We don't know that every single one of those Pharisees had closed their heart and mind to the Messiah. Um, and so you know they they were listening. Maybe there was one of them there around there that needed to hear it. And, you know, so he, he answers it. But I found that there, but he gives them three things. And, you know, I, I, um, I'm thankful Jesus is merciful and gives them an answer. And I think it's a demonstration of grace. And certainly as Christians, when people come to us with questions about our faith, according to 1 Peter 3.15, you know, we are supposed to be able to give an answer to the hope that lies within us. Now, I, I, some people, I know Christians, and you say, well, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't, I, let me tell you, I don't have all the answers. Pastor Danny's close, but I don't have all the answers. Neither, neither does Pastor Danny. I appreciate about that, his humility in what he does in his apologetics ministry. Um, but um, it, 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 it does mean as a Christian, you know, hey, if somebody brings a question, it, it begins that process of, of searching for that answer if you don't know it or going to somebody you respect to, to getting it. And um, obviously in this case, that's not a problem. Jesus, <laughs> the Lord knew the answer, so I think he, he knew it. But he gives three reasons. The first one, he says, we read down in verse number 12, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. And Jesus, a very simple you know, illustration, he says only sick people need a doctor, and the Pharisees would have readily agreed that the public and and sinners were very sick. They would have un they would have agreed with that. And um, it's it's terrible. And the sad fact of the story is the Pharisees thought they were well. You know which is the worst predicament that the public and sinners they were really, they were publicans and sinners, but the Pharisees they were sick too. The difference is one of them knew and one of them did not know. It, you know it's really sad. I think most of us probably you know somebody in our family or a friendship circle that. Ever know anybody that didn't know they were really sick until, you know, too late? It, it can it can happen to any one of us. Um, there was a there was a a, a a YouTube channel that I that I follow out with a guy that, um, you know, healthy and all this kind of stuff. And one day he's fine. The next day he's not feeling well. The next day he's told he has pancreatic cancer. And you know, you start the start the very short clock. 
and none of us know that and it's terrible and when you have an illness that possibly could have been treated if you you know refused to go to a doctor or get help and you know I remember several years ago a friend of ours that's with the Lord now when Braxton was sick and um, I know some of you don't know Braxton many of you some of you in here do and uh, he was one of our original odd Baptists and um my, you know, he was the, he was DT before DT was, D, you know, good thing that DT didn't wind up to his full bad self until after the Lord, you know, that they didn't happen at the same time. But at any rate, Braxton used to sit back there and tell me if I was going too long, he'd lift his arm up with his stop, with his watch and he would tell me. And then I would always tell him, oh, you're telling me to go 20 more minutes. That's what I would tell him. Oh, 20 more minutes. Is that what I He and I were, were good friends. But he was in the hot, he'd gotten sick and he kept being sick and he kept going to the doctors and they couldn't figure it out and they couldn't figure it out. And he finally, he got so sick, he went to the emergency room and they ended up admitting him. This is a Jackson hospital. And um, he was in there for a day or two. And Jen and I happened to be in the room visiting him and Wanda, you know, just just the Lord allowed us to be there when uh, a, a nurse practitioner or a doctor, somebody came in and said, well, you know, we run a couple of tests, everything looks pretty, you know, looks fairly normal, we're going to send you home. And I, <laughs> Braxton was a really nice, funny guy, he really was, but he, he was not having it. He was not, I mean, he sat up in bed, he goes, he goes, preacher, I'm about to be really honest here. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, BB, let it, let it go. And he, and he said, ma'am, he goes, I'm not leaving here. I am not leaving here till you tell me what's wrong with me. And it was, you know, he put his foot down. You know, I don't think they quite knew what to do with that. And so they ended up keeping him in there and they, they ran a couple of tests and that's when they found out that he had a fair amount of cancer, you know, um, and he'd been telling him this for a long time. And it's a terrible thing to not know you have some illness. You know, it's um first step to spiritual healing is knowing and acknowledging that you're sick and need a healing. And I'm really thankful that the Lord's willing to meet us sinners right where we are. And um and by the way, just in terms of everyday life, I'm thankful for our healthcare workers. You know, our son in law Scott is a is a nurse and uh First, one of our own odd Baptist Taylor got her pinning today, and as somebody who recently spent some time in the hospital, and some of you also never spent time in the hospital, you know, I won't name any names, but you know who you are. Um, the difference a good nurse makes in your care, they, they, they make a big, big difference. And I'm so thankful that these are people, the nurses in particular, but the doctors as well, when they whip in for 10 minutes and whip back out and then you get charged, you know, $1,200 for their five minutes of their time. But the nurses come in all the time and I'm so thankful that these nurses, they expose themselves to oftentimes to people who are very ill, you know, because of care and concern for another person. And in a spiritual sense, that's what we as Christians, sometimes so many Christians are afraid to ever be around anybody that is sick spiritually. No, that's who we're, we're called. So any rate, first reason that Jesus gives in verse 12, they that hold don't need a physician, but they that are sick. Now notice in verse number 13, he goes on, gives another, the second reason. Notice what he says. He says, but go ye and learn what this meaneth or that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He tells them secondly that God is a God of mercy. And who needed God's mercy more than the publicans and the sinners? <laughs> 
mean, Jesus says, I, you know, I'm a God of mercy. Isn't that what it says? Now, he's quoting here out of Hosea 6, chapter 6 and verse number 6. And I love what he tells him. He says, now, you guys go study this. Go learn what it means. Now, these are people that consider themselves to be, and they pretty much were experts on not only the Torah, but the entire of the Old Testament scriptures. These guys were the experts. And Jesus is challenging them to go study the scriptures more than they already have, and they need to understand more clearly what it's trying to say. Now, um, uh, when you think about Hosea, anybody know the story of Hosea? Gomer, that's right, Hosea and Gomer, what, what do we know about the story? You, you know, remember 4.0, we're going to, you, you already get bonus points for knowing the, the, the wife's name. Yep, 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 that, that, you, 4.0, you're nailing it. Um, yeah, remember the story of Hosea, the whole book of Hosea is a story about this prophet of God, this godly man that God tells him to go marry Gomer, who's a, a woman of the night, shall we say, and he brings her in, he offers her, and he treats her, gives her all the best things of life and faithfulness and steadiness, and, and how does she repay him? She keeps running off and going back into harlotry, and eventually Jose has to buy her off the slave auction, and God uses it as an illustration of the, of the people of Israel. Now, if you don't understand and believe that Dr. Frutenbaum knows what he's talking about when he talks about when, when the publicans and sinners, and the sinners is a euphemism for a prostitute, does that make sense that Jesus takes them to a story that deals with a woman that is a sinner? And so he directs them back to Hosea and says, you guys go back there and you need to study this a little bit more. You know, I, how often do we become, and as a pastor, one of the most discouraging things, and by the way, one of the things I love about our church here in particular is, uh, you know, that the, the Lord has blessed us with. You know, there's a lot of folks in our church that have a, have a desire to study God's word and really know it legitimately and you know now there are times pastor danny and i if i can be full honesty you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll come we'll preach something with we'll, we'll go did it seem like anybody was listening to you and he'll go no and i'll say i'll say yeah nobody nobody cared nobody cared um but on balance um, y'all are hungry to know and our church is not afraid to ask questions and uh, discuss things and those kind of things and yeah we all though have times where maybe we can get too too settled in our own knowledge and get to the point where you say how do you know you're there well I think you know you're there when you start this mindset well I don't you know I don't need to study anything else I already know what I think now, I've had people tell me that thinking they were being, you know, that was a good thing. I already know what I think. I've been taught. I've been in church all my life. I have a college degree. I went to seminary, whatever. Really, um, I, I promise you that probably if it came to us tonight, the group of all of us in here against, I don't know how many Pharisees were gathered around. Let's say there was 10 of them. We, there's a lot more of us here than, I, uh, than 10. I'll bet you those 10 Pharisees would whoop us on trivia knowledge of the Old Testament. And that's not to disparage you, by the way. I think the group of us here would, I'll take on other churches, uh, Gentile churches. <laughs> uh, we'll do that. But, but these guys were experts on it, and yet Jesus tells them to go out there and, and learn more. And when you and I get to the point where we think, oh, I, I know, I've, I've understood it all, because I will tell you, there were things when I was a younger guy um, that I saw very, very clearly. And maybe that was fine, maybe that was good, but I'll tell you, the older I get and when I learn and I see the nuances of Scripture more and more and I understand and I see where God's mercy falls down and where redemption comes in and, and just 
God's ways, and I, I'm, I'm like, you know, some of the things that one time I thought, well, that was, I understood, oh, I see that black and white. I, as I got older in my faith, I realized maybe it wasn't quite as black and white, and I understood it as well as I thought I did. And yet, at that same time, um, one of the great things about the scriptures that I would say is a guy, for example, I love Shakespeare, I like Milton, the writings of Milton. If you don't know who these are, guys are, then go to high school. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If you don't, if you don't know who these people are, okay, that's it. No, I just heard a bunch of feelings. Um, the scriptures are inexhaustible. You know, some of you, a couple of you in here have been studying these, this book longer than I have, and it's, it's amazing the endlessness of the truth of God. And these guys, I think, were pretty much guys that they'd done their graduation from seminary. They knew what they thought, and Jesus tells them, you guys, go figure out what Hosea is talking about on Hosea 6.6. Now, if you go back and read Hosea 6.6, and you read chapter 4, 5, and 6, basically it's a part of the book where God's telling them, hey, you guys know all the rules, you know all the sacrifices, you know all these things, but, but you have no mercy. And, and he, he pretty much, you know, tells them here, I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. And basically, in Hosea, the people of God were still externally going through all the motions, making sure they were keeping all their little rules and all that. But inwardly, there was no mercy in their heart. And so God was chastising them that they were good at the external, but they did not consider the internal. And again, that's classic Pharisaism for us when we, when we become, not that the external has no merit, by the way, I'm not saying that, but when you go only external to the negation of your internal, what is my heart attitudes, you're in a big, you're in a world of hurt. Now, Dr. Frutenbaum points out uh, Dr. Edersheim, if you know Dr. Edersheim and his epic work, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, um, if you've ever read that, take about 10 minutes and read it. So really, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a book about this thick. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a scholarly work. Um, and, and he does a lot, Dr. Edersheim, on the Jewish culture as well. And Dr. Edersheim says that when Jesus says, go and learn here in, in this passage of verse 13, that in the Greek and more importantly in the Hebrew of the time, Jesus is using a Pharisaic phrase. It was a phrase that the Pharisees were well known for, basically saying, hey, you don't understand that, go, go figure it out. And he was using a phraseology that was very, very familiar in the writings of the Pharisees of, of semi-rebuke and yet telling them, you don't understand and you're missing the point. You think you understand Hosea, but you don't. Because you don't understand that God is a God of mercy. And so a little bit of an ouch moment here is using their own teachings to challenge them to go learn. Bottom line is God is interested in the heart. Remember when David sinned, you know, and, and Psalm 51 is kind of David's cry for forgiveness to God. And in Psalm 51, verse 6, he tells, cries out to God that God desires truth in the inner parts. And then in verse 16, he says, you don't desire sacrifice, else I'd give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. What are the sacrifices of God? They're a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And in your life, if you want to see transformation, if it doesn't begin in the heart, it's only going to be superficial. If you're going to make changes in your life, it's got to begin in here. Now, at some point, I would suggest to you, 
Just like in the Old Testament, if some Old Testament Jewish person said, oh, I'm all right with God on the inside. I love God. I've got all kinds of mercy and all this. And then they were disobedient to the sacrifices and the external things. That would still be a problem. In other words, if, if your insides is changing, at some point it begins to manifest itself out here. We've been fed a lie by, I won't name any church, so I get in trouble. Pastor Danny gets hears about it on his apologetics channel, but I can name some ministry. And it seems like all they care about is, oh, God wants your heart. God just wants, you know, God, God is love and God loves your heart. But you know what? If, if your things are changing in your heart, there ought to be some things that begin to change out here. Now, we all wrestle with it. Um, the problem comes like the Pharisees where they only cared about the outside. Now, the last reason, and we'll be done, and I'm going to get done, Lord willing, early, as I said uh, tonight. Uh, the third thing we read here in the end of verse 13, he, he says, For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Um, so here we find that Jesus has come, you know, to, to find the ones who know they need a, a change. Now, if you stay with the, the idea that sinners being prostitutes... Um, Jesus may very well, when he's saying this, be looking literally at prostitutes. And they were considered to be, you know, the, them and the publicans were the worst sinners in the culture. And he's saying, these are the kind of people right here that I've come to tell them, you need to change your mind. You need to make a change of mind. You, you think that this prostitutes and publicans knew that what they were doing was wrong according to the law of God? I think probably most of them did. Uh, did all of them respond to what Jesus had to say? Probably not. But they knew that they had problems and they were the ones that were willing to have a change of mind about their standing and who Jesus was. You know, it's the person that, and I've had people in my years of ministry, literally, some, what I'm going to share with these with you are, real life things people have told me all right over the years the person that says well i was baptized i.e they were sprinkled on the head when they were an infant i was baptized as a baby so i'm good i don't i don't need a savior you know i've been i've already had that tanker because i've somebody poured a little water on a lot of a bowl on my head um the, 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 if you're watching online it's nowhere in here zippo Am I right on that? Right? There's, it's nowhere in here. It's, that, that, that's not how you get to heaven. Or I've had people say, well, I've been a member of, of the church my whole life. I've had people, whenever people tell me that, and I've had that one more than once when I've been witnessing, oh, I, I'm, I've been a member of the church my whole life. Your whole life, huh? Did that start at conception or did it start the moment you came out? When did you actually come into membership with the church your whole life? Um, no, that's not going to get you to heaven. You know, they think they're good. Or someone who's, this another one, you know, you've heard this one. You know, my good things outweigh my bad things, so I'm good. I don't need any help. No, you're in trouble. <laughs> if God, even if, that, even if your analogy is true, which it is not, but if you go to heaven with thinking that and you put all your good deeds on the, on the cosmic scale in heaven, trust me, you're going to be found wanting. You know, I, I hate to break the bad news to you, but that's not how you get to heaven. Or this is another one that, that people, that they play, and they'll say, well, I am so bad, there's no hope. So why even try? So I'm good. I've heard people that take, they take solace in their badness. No, you're not beyond hope. Jesus is looking for the one who knows they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Um... You know, I'm glad today in our community that as a church we have a heart just to reach people. And um, um, I have found in my years of ministry, again, that people...
people with my testimony, which I am very thankful to have, by the way. No regrets. Thank you to my mother and to my father and the grace of God. Grace of God first, then mom, then dad. <laughs> so dad, you're third. Um, but I, I love that I grew up in a Christian home. I love that I don't have a testimony that I got into deep sin, you know, that, you know, I, you know, I did, I did some bad things, but not like DT, you know, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, keep on, yes. So I'm very thankful for my, my testimony. And sometimes I think our people that have that testimony are like, oh, you don't have anything to say because yours isn't all exciting and all that. However, I would also tell you that in my years of ministry, it is the people that have been through brokenness in their life that once they recognize their need for the Savior and they change their mind about Christ and they receive him as their Savior, on balance, they're the ones that are most willing to go tell other sinners about what they found because they realize it. They, they, they have this measure of grace and mercy. It's why, you know, I, I, the, the, here, obviously, something really ed edgy, you know. Um, I'd probably still be at my first ministry if people in my church, if the men in my church that had been involved in divorce could have been on the board, I might still be there. True statement. Now, do I think deacons should be from divorce? No, I don't. I don't take, you know, I don't hold that, I don't hold that view. But I would say, if our leadership structure would have been such that it carved out room, which it should, according to the New Testament, for men and, that had been through the broken and the hardships of being through divorce, which is very, very painful, those are the guys that understood what the church was supposed to be all about. Reaching sick people. Broken people. Because that's where the mercy of God seems to shine the brightest. Amen? And uh, so let us be a church of mercy. So at any rate, thank you for tuning in tonight. I got done six minutes early, although if our clock is wrong, which I think it is, three minutes early, three minutes early, still it's early. A win's a win, you know. We'll take it. Well, I'm going to close in prayer. We'll see you all, Lord willing, uh, Sunday morning, and uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the... Reminder of your mercy tonight, Lord, help us not to be like the Pharisees, help us to be honest, help us to reach to those around us, help us to be reminded that we were the one that was with that disease of sin, and I'm so thankful that the free gift of eternal life and that forgiveness can be found. Lord, I pray as we walk the road of life, the different people that you bring into our life at work and in our family, help us to show love and mercy, help us to be like, like you did and sit down with the publicans and the sinners and, and uh, show them love and hope and kindness. And Lord, help us as we go our separate ways. Again, we ask for your blessing on the many folks that are sick, both in our, our church family and in our online family as well. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Uh, over and out. We'll see you. We'll see you.